Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Austin Healy. When I'm not winding up Welsh fans on Twitter, I'm downloading the latest Egg Chasers rugby podcast. Hello Egg Chasers, welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast with me, Tim, and uh, my usual co-hosts, JB. Have you sorted yourself out yet, JB? Yep. Hi, Tim. Hello and hello, Phil. Hi, Tim. Boys, 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 the Six Nations is almost here. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, very exciting. Big build-up to the Six Nations on today's podcast. We got a little bit of a tease on the weekend with the Wolfhounds against the Saxons. Mm, well, I hope that's not anything to go by for this year, yeah. it seems. I do hope so. Not the greatest game, was it? It wasn't. I quite enjoyed it, actually. Nice, uh, nice warm-up pints. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, going to look at the Six Nations in depth. But actually, first off, we have got... Um, well, I don't know if an apology is the right word to make, but last week we were, we were ribbing, giving some a serious bit of ribbing to the LV Cup and the... Organisers of the LV Cup, and in particular the people that run their Twitter account, were a little bit upset at the content of the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast last week. So we're sorry. Th- we're sorry. We're very sorry for taking the Mickey. And I thought maybe as penance, before we talk about the tournament that everyone gets most excited about, the Six Nations, maybe we'd have to find some positives in possibly the least high-profile competition, the LV Cup. So. How is the LV Cup good, boys? This is our penance. We've got to try and find some positives. I've actually got kind of a it's sort of a stat which I think is fairly important about the LV Cup. Because you've got to consider the LV Cup to be the place where you blood the youngsters, give them some game time. And in fairness, I think they might recognise this. And they have got the LV Cup. What's it called? Breakout Player of the Year? Breakthrough Player Award. Yeah. There's a strong chance that the last two recipients of the Breakthrough Player Award will be starting on either wing for England this week. So it might actually be relevant. Johnny May? Yep. Johnny May was two seasons ago. And last season was? Last season was uh, Noel. Jack Jack Noel. Noel. Jack Noel. He won't be starting, surely, for England. Well, the Telegraph have hinted, their article has hinted that it could be Noel and May starting. Wow. I'd go with Johnny May, defo. Yeah. May... Plays as left wing for Gloucester. Noel plays right wing for Exeter. Ashton plays, obviously, right wing for England and, and Saracens. Wow. But there's been some interviews from both Ashton and from Stuart Lancaster where they've both kind of had a bit of a go at each other. Like Ashton saying that he's not happy with the way... What's wrong with that boy? Lancaster's been treating him and Lancaster saying kind of vice versa, that he's not happy... Really? At, at the way that Ashton has been bickering and, and wow. um, talking out about, about Lancaster. I- this competition might not might not be as ridiculous as we originally said. I can come up with another positive. Go on. When you go to the ground on an LV Cup match, much shorter queues to get a pie. <laughs> <laughs> so did, well, did you go to the uh, Sale Worcester game? Uh, I did. I was I was working there. It was. Uh, did did, did Sale win? Any chance? They, they did. They, no. they, they beat Worcester again. Also, another positive is for people that weren't at a match and staying at home, it's a chance to earn some brownie points, uh, getting some jobs done around the house because you're not really bothered about watching any live rugby on telly. Uh, and you can build up some brownie points for the Six Nations weekends that are coming up. And you don't need to store the game on your skybox so it, sp- so it frees up space. <laughs> there you go, plenty of positives. There you go. We're sorry, LV Cup. Right, let's talk about the one that we really, really want to talk about. I'm so excited. I love it. There's something just romantic and magical about the Six Nations, isn't there? Yeah, it's good. There is some, one thing which is less special about it. Friday night games. There should never be a Friday night game in the Six Nations. I don't, I don't mind I, that. I, I love that's it. That's because your team doesn't play Friday nights. It's only Wales that play there. I bet the players must love it. 
Yeah, because they can get smashed. Oh, yeah, they get, night. Two, they get two days off then. But Cardiff's weird on a, on a Friday night, though. It just doesn't, it doesn't quite seem right. But it also means that if you're playing rugby on Saturday, you'll never miss ah, this is that where fixture. This is where you're wrong, because nobody in Wales plays during Six Nations. We, we yeah, all... but you do at Broughton Park. Yeah, but we all... Is that real? Yeah. yeah. Wales all... do not play yeah. matches during Six Nations. In case you're called up, is, is the logic. <laughs> and that's, not, that's not a joke, there's only 12 of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, when, when Wales won the World Cup... Sorry, Wales World Cup. What one of This is in some weird dream of Sorry, JB. What was all about them? First... That's what he thinks about when he's on his own, alone yeah. in his bedroom, or his Photoshop Sam Warburton holding the World Cup aloft. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Probably a good point actually to say thank you for uh, for getting in touch on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. We've had a bunch of new people uh, getting in touch, and if that's you, you happen to be listening to maybe to your first podcast, then there's loads more. iTunes, Audio Boot, you can uh, you can have a listen, and you can get in touch at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. And while we're talking about Six Nations, before we get into it properly, we, we have got a, a Six Nations code for a little private league, which we'd love for you to come and take us on at, and we'll probably prove that you're much better at rugby knowledge than we are. So it's, yeah, ESPN Scrum Fantasy League, so type in Scrum Fantasy or ESPN Scrum. The league code is five three zero three zero. Five three zero three zero. Yep. Nice one. We'll, um, t- we'll tweet that at Rugby Podcast as well. Come and take us on. Yeah, let's get on to the Six Nations then. Uh, now, one thing, there was the launch of the Six Nations with all the captains and coaches turning up. And one thing happened, which I know is going to make JB's blood boil. Um, <laughs> something which makes him angry to his very core. The photograph of the captains with the trophy, wearing trainers, not boots. <laughs> it's so horrendous. It looks awful, I doesn't mean, it? Look, all, all that these guys do is hang around near fields. So the fact they couldn't find a field suitable for them to take a picture with the trophy. I'd much prefer it in boots with just roll, yeah. roll out some artificial grass. Because they've all got their own. They've all got got their own trainers. I mean. What's his name there? He's wearing orange laces. Kelly Brown. Oh, horrendous. <laughs> it, it, is, it is a bit Warburton's silly. got luminous yellow laces in. They have gone to the trouble of assembling the media. They've got all the captains and coaches to go there. They've got the kit. They've got the photographers. They've got the light. They've got the studio for the photos. They've got the lighting. And they couldn't be bothered just to get some boots. It looks to yeah. you right. It does look bad. It looks awful. At least, I will say this, they're all wearing athletics trainers rather than when the French ca- oh, captains yeah. for the Heineken Cup met for their photographs. They're all wearing, like, white plimsolls and Converse and stuff well, like that. They're yeah. trendy. The cool thing about looking at rugby players wearing their rugby kit is the fact that they're, they're, is that, you know, they're actually ready, they're there, they're ready to go to war. It's kind of like looking at a bull with no horns. I mean, you, you know it's going to do nothing. They're in trainers, they're going to have no grip, they're going to be ter- terrible at rugby. Oh, more, more captains, Phil. My word, the French captain's okay. Sorry, what? <laughs> Not uh, Pascal Pape. There's also in the... Uh, She's quite good looking, isn't the, she? The media released, they released pictures of the uh, female captains. Are they wearing trainers as well? Uh, you can, only, you can only see them from the waist upwards. Have a look at the French captain. Uh, she's not that good looking. I mean, I, she was, she's in the edge that, of shot. Not that that matters in the slightest. I'm sure. Yeah. Rugby. Well, it clearly does. I mean, my <laughs> my girlfriend goes weak at the knees for Lee Halfpenny. It <laughs> it does matter. <laughs> I'm looking at the picture now. They they all look like fine rugby players. The yes. Welsh captain is got, that a compliment or the not? The Welsh captain's got <laughs> fantastic quads. Yeah. <laughs> and and the the Scottish captain is all quad. <laughs> Nothing but quad. Quadzilla. <laughs> Quadi, uh, quadimodo. <laughs> that is, uh, you're absolutely right, JB, to get annoyed about that. Come on, next time you launch a major trophy, and we've got to make, we've got to learn lessons ahead of England 2015. It is not acceptable to have players standing for promotional shots wearing trainers. No, yeah. not even the hiding cut one where they're walking across across the road in France. Oh, it's just, just imagine seeing those. Where, where are those idiots going? It's, uh, it's wrong. Uh, that said, the, the stash is is rather lovely. Let, let's talk stash before we get on to the actual matters on the field. Uh, let, let's rank the stash. Nice, nice and quick one. Let's rank the kits worst to best. Okay, worst macro. In the Six Nations. 
Sorry? Worst Macron. Scotland. Scotland. Macron yeah. gets damaged by sunlight and rain. <laughs> so uh, we have had, we have had some people that listen who are in Scotland going, "What is your beef with Macron and and with and, Scottish kids?" And I think they're Portuguese as well, not Macron or, or Spanish, Spanish uh, Italian, Italian maybe. Like it's not good anyway. It, it, it's not hard hard wearing stuff. It's probably the least fashionable clothes ever made in Italy. <laughs> I think you put it really well, Phil, when you said it looks like fake replicas of what should be a Scotland kit that you'd pick yeah. up on holiday in Turkey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's gone to Turkey or Egypt and said, I want a Scotland kit, and that's what they've, uh, <laughs> they've produced. Uh, so, unanimous, Scotland last. Scotland, get the wooden spoon of kits. Then for me, Italy. Uh, not sorry, sorry. What? Not Italy. Ireland in oh, fifth. Day. Excuse me. I'll go along with that. They have improved the kit by removing that stupid little one-sided collar action. And yeah. It's now symmetrical collar, but still, I'll go with you. Interestingly, today it was announced that Italy are going with Canterbury uh, in future. But what? what? Getting rid of Kappa and Adidas? No. Did I just say Italy again? Yeah. yeah. I meant Ireland again. What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh, my God. You were all known for their rugby prowess, though, aren't they? I can't take my Paul eyes off Paul O'Connell would not suit the Italian sunshine. Just... <laughs> That's why he can't move to uh, Toulon. It just wouldn't work. <laughs> So Ireland, sorry, Ireland have been so made Ireland by Canterbury. Canterbury. That's, how, that's how they used to be made by, isn't it? Before Is it? Puma. Right, mm, so they're yeah. going back. Very nice. Uh, fourth place, I say Wales. I say you're wrong. I'm not I'm not a big fan of that that grey and white little thing detail on yeah, the end of the arm. I've got to say, the details are annoying. But the actual overall concept is great, and I like the block red. I agree with Tim rather than you, Jay. I don't like the block red. I don't, oh, I don't like it. I don't like the sponsor being Admiral. Yeah, that's a problem. When you look at Wales in in the you know in their glory days, what last year or the year before? <laughs> <laughs> the glory days from uh, from you know the old school days. They, they, JPR and Gareth are the Edwards. Days. These it are was the always days. white shorts. It was always white shorts, and it doesn't feel right. So me and Phil going Wales in fourth place, even if you disagree. I'd go third place, and on the flip side, I like that they've gone more traditional, and I like the, the kit. I'd go England in third. Yeah, I'd go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, They've, got, they've gone for the traditional I have to socks. Say, I, yeah, I, I have to say, I think it's France for third. And I love French kits. I've, I've got three French kits at home. And uh, that's just not, it's not a classic. No, I think it is absolute classic. I think it's really nice, that Do you French know, kit. I, I used to really like the French kit a few, well, I'd say a few years ago, almost 10 years ago now, probably even longer than that, when they had like the baggy cotton and Castagnette would have sleeves, like proper long, sleeves. Long on. sleeves. Oh, it's wonderful to watch them. Yeah, when they were running, it was like yeah. trailing behind them. <laughs> grab uh, me, grab me. So it, England third, France second. Does that mean you, Tim? Yeah, yeah, um, and I, I do like France's. It's got a traditional kind of feel. It does look like it, I mean, obviously with the style and the cut and everything would be different and the material, but it does feel like the sort of kit that could have been worn in the 80s or yeah. 90s, which it, I like. I'm feeling, I've got a feeling that all our opinions are converging Italy. Italy, number one. Well done. In kits, at it least. It is magnificent. You have the best kit in and it's on the a, Six Nations. The photo that we're looking at, there's a magnificent man wearing it as well. The only way that kit could be better if it, if it was sprayed directly onto his torso. <laughs> <laughs> Sergio Parise is... Apparently. What, what a man. What a man he is. What a man he is. Wow. Sam Warburton's got a very long neck. He has. He does, he does yeah. His neck is actually thicker than his head. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, val- that's a valid opinion. It's interesting that all the captains are back rows or second rows. Mm. I think that's a leadership Notable. position, though. You wouldn't want your uh, captain to be a fullback. Well, I actually had, um, had a quick think about this. Ooh. And of the top ten teams in the world, mm-hmm. there's only one whose captain isn't a back row or second row. Is that South Ooh. Africa? It is South Africa. Jean de Villiers. Jean de Villiers. Oh, yeah, wow. Everyone else is back row or second yeah. row. Yeah. I think that is a leadership position, isn't it? You've got to be mm. all over the pitch and... That's where, that's where I should be captain. Interesting stuff. <laughs> so well done. Uh, Italy come out on top of our Six Nations stash watch. Um, but who is going to come out on top of the table overall? Well, I mean, there's one match we're, we're all massively looking forward to this weekend. And we're looking forward to all the games, let's be yeah. fair. But there's one that stands out above the rest. And I think even, even a Welshman, Jay, you'd have to admit that. Absolutely. I think the other two are in danger of being you know, a, bit, a bit of a washout. Le Crunch is, um, that's, is that's looking pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, well, this is uh, Philippe Saint-André and his take on the match. 2014, uh, it's a new year, and also we start not by the starter, but by the main, main course, <laughs> <laughs> by the roast beef. Good chat, Philippe. Well done, Philippe. Um, do you think he's going to have better fortunes this time around? Um, um, he can't do much worse than getting the wooden spoon, can he? 
No, he actually can't. Yeah. That's, that's a really good, that's a really insightful <laughs> point, Phil. But I, I think he will do much better. The French players have all been released from their clubs a week early, which they haven't been previously. Yep. So he's had more preparation. And I think even though they only won two games, I think, last year, in the whole of last year, they're uh, looking much better. And they have they're, some they're tremendous squad. players. Yeah, their all-round squad is looking very good. It was really interesting, as well as talking about Le Ross beef, um, Philippe Saint-André recently has been talking to some journalists about the situation in domestic French rugby. Now, we, we all sit on this side of the channel and think that it all looks rosy over there. Well, according to the Philippe Saint-André, the French head coach, it's far from rosy in France. And he's really concerned about the drain of players to France. And kind of picking up on something that you've been talking about for a long time, JB, mm. that French teams are paying established players from other countries to come and take up their wages and, Philippe, from Philippe Saint-André's point of view, spots in squads to develop players. Exactly. So much so that he actually said, and this is from a, a Telegraph article, this is Philippe Saint-André, I won't do it in his accent. Oh, in, please do. In last year's Anakin Cup final <laughs> between Clermont and Toulon, there was only three French players available to me. Toulon had more English players than French. I'm going to stop this. The other week... <laughs> I avoided the Heineken Cup to watch Stade Francais in the Amlin yeah. as it involved more French players. It is something that needs to be addressed. Stade Francais are currently second in, second in the top 14. Oh, they're, they're, they're top all, now. Oh, they're top, are After they? the win over... Oh, yeah, but he was watching awesome. Stade Francais against who? Like Cavaliero Prato. Like yeah, a, yeah, but it's not as if he... What he's making out there is he's going to watch you know, lesser competition with lesser players. He's not. He's watching a top-flight team. You've got to take his point on board. He, he goes on to say that three players that are in his squad now, Johan Huger, Bryce Doolan, um, Sofiane Gitone, I apologise if I've got the pronunciation wrong, they are in the French squad now, but they actually had to drop out of the top league and go down a league just to get some game time at Eugène. Now, the equivalent would not happen in England. You think of anyone in the England squad now. Dan Cole did when he was younger that we've, we've spoke about that before. Well, that's not, well, I, mean, um, well, I suppose that position of tight head prop it's, kind of it's kind of in the nature of the position because you need to be a bit older and a bit yeah. more developed. This is back three. This isn't tight head props we're talking yeah. about. This is this is this is backs. You can't imagine, you know, Jack Noel who could be involved for England, um, not being involved in some level with Exeter Chiefs and being so far down the pecking order that he has to go to Cornish Pirates down the road to actually get any game time. I just can't, I just can't see that happening and. Um, Philippe Saint-André is clearly concerned about this and about the effect that foreign players going to France is having on the national team. Interesting, because I did the stats last week, I've actually got the team sheets from the the top three teams in front of me last weekend. And while Toulon only had three French players starting, Toulouse, their entire back line and half the pack were were French. Exactly, Toulouse got loads of French players. Clermont had about 50-50 he could have gone to the Toulouse game, but obviously there was some quality players and at the Stad playing that he wanted to and see. And also the restaurants in Toulouse aren't quite as good as the restaurants in Paris, <laughs> are they? So. Uh, and it's also, I would say this, uh, it's a little bit rich of Philippe Saint-André to uh, start moaning about head coaches bringing in other nationalities. His track record isn't the best in that. Look at, oh, look, when you look at sale, sale Sharks. <laughs> yeah. no, no. Look, Look at, at Toulon. Toulon. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> Sarah Charles and Toulon. He created that monster. I know. That was his doing. Yeah, that is a bit rich. I take no stock in what he said whatsoever. However, I have modified my opinion a little bit about all the players leaving Wales. I've now come to the conclusion it's not about all leaving Wales and populating other clubs and invading. I think it's actually a mix. I think that's, that's, that's what we need. We need about 50% of the international squad away and the other half playing at home what's brought on this change of opinion this is pretty radical from you mm. JB uh, I think I think it's the diversity of, of where they play and by the way I do not like diversity in any way you mean the dance troupe diversity yeah yeah I can't stand Ashley Banjo um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I, you know I, I think having a range of players playing in playing in different uh, in different competitions <laughs> overall will so you've seen the way the island are doing it they can bring in one player of each position between the, the mm. three main regions so that they keep a strong talent pool in every position is, yeah. is that what's kind of swayed it for you because that seems like a very good well, system to me that's smart it that's is really a smart clever. system but there's no reason you can't do that and still send half your best players away yeah you can you can still I mean, have a few going on Ireland are going to spend an awful, an awful lot of money keeping all those players 
in their regions, and eventually they won't have enough money, and it will break, and they'll go. And maybe, and maybe that'll be good. That, that might be the best thing to ha- best thing to happen to Irish rugby. Maybe. Well, uh, listen, I just want to say thank you very much. Uh, if you follow at Rugby Podcast on Twitter and if you've uh, had your say or had a chat with us at any point, uh, you can follow us there. We keep the rugby discussion going through the week at Rugby Podcast on Twitter and we get your thoughts onto the podcast as well. Uh, and one other thing, just um, if you get a minute and if you enjoy the podcast... Would you just bob onto iTunes and and review it? It can be either constructive criticism or it can be saying what you like, but it affects the prominence and the placing of the podcast. Now, we're not doing this for money. We're doing this because we want to share our passion for rugby and other people's passion for rugby with a wider rugby community. And the the more reviews we get, the uh, the higher up and more prominent uh, we become on iTunes. So, as I say, it's not for anything other than a love of rugby, but if you could take a minute just to leave a review on iTunes, we would massively appreciate it. You must do this, because I've, I've actually run out of email addresses now. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there we go. But, uh, like, just in a word, winners for the weekend. I mean, Wales, Italy. Wales. Yeah. Ireland, Scotland. Ireland. Ireland. Le Crunch. JB, one word, at this moment, before the team's been announced. France. Phil. France. And I'm saying France. Ooh. Watch, uh, oh dear, what are we going to do on Friday's podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, there might be something to talk about with the teams being yeah, announced. Yeah, definitely, okay. definitely. Right, transfers then. Let's talk about this transfer merry-go-round because it's picking up uh, at a pace just now. Um, there's been some movements going on. Um, there's Nathan Hines swapping Claremont Averne at the age of 37, nearly 38, to go to Sale Sharks on a two-year deal. Mm. Tom Court has been announced as going to London Irish, the good. international prop from Ulster. Do you think that's a good signing? Yeah, I do, actually. Uh, yeah, I think he's a solid Decent club work. level scrimmager. Well, he's a solid. Uh, Although, he's, he's a more solid prop than uh, Leicester front row a few weeks ago. When they were shattered. Well, Someone did uh, mention on Twitter, that, um, had a bit of a go at me on Twitter, well, a fellow, saying that I was wrong, wrong about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and also, Afoa played 80 minutes too. So Yeah, Afoa did play 80 minutes and was still looking very good. So uh, I will... Uh, yeah, Tom Court's I will good, accept some, some of that. There's talk of, and it hasn't been officially confirmed, but there's been word of Marlon Yard swapping London Irish for Harlequins, which will be a bit of a hammer blow for Irish fans. Yeah, a young, another academy product going elsewhere mm. could be a great signing for uh, for Harlequins. Yeah. It might be really be, good. But I take it they're going to get rid of Monia then or someone. Well, there's uh, talk of them buying and getting another winger, isn't there? Is there yeah. that Fijian? Fiji- yeah, uh, from Chiefs was it? Sam Smith is going to be probably leaving and going to... Well, there's several clubs interested in him. Irish, one of them, and mm-hmm. possibly possibly uh, some other ones. Worcester as well. Yep. Uh, presumably Saki will be leaving at the end of the season. I would have thought so. I think um, a fairly safe bet. Monier will stay on. He's still solid. Oh, but, he's quality. So it's Aseli Tikoi Rotuma from the Chiefs. Well said. Rather you than me saying that. <laughs> There's more transfers. Lee Halfpenny has confirmed the move to Toulon. It's just as well because they've got a huge hole at fullback. They need to fill. <laughs> no, haven't they? I don't know what they're going to do without Lee Halfpenny at fullback. That's, that's an embarrassment of riches. Surely there's going to be some movement from Toulon elsewhere at fullback. Well, well, uh, I've been saying this for ages. They're going to have to start getting rid of some of these players now. Don Armitage have just signed a new deal. Uh, James O'Connor has signed there and Lee Halfpenny. But there's speculation that Wilkinson will retire at the end of the season. And the club president for Toulon has come out and said he would need two players to fill the void that Wilkinson would leave. Halfpenny kicking O'Connor at 10? Potentially O'Connor could go at 10, yet Halfpenny fills that kicking role and then they bring in another 10 because O'Connor can play pretty much anywhere in the backs. And that 10 wouldn't be... I don't know, where's Toby Flood Flood? Well, we don't know. Would that 10 be Toby Flood? It's possible. Um, What a downgrade. Uh, I like Toby Flood. I like Toby Flood. Oh, I, I think that'd be a good move Stop it for both of them. I think it's a bad move for James O'Connor because one of the things he got from Irish was stability and game time at his fa- favourite position. The worst thing for James O'Connor is when they start moving him all up and down the back line again. Which and has happened to him in Australia. Exactly. In the Lions, he was playing at 10. Before that, he's played on the wing. He's played full-back. He's yeah. played centre. Exactly. And they're gonna, he's going to go back to Toulon. and they, They're going to move back, him. Sorry, he's going to go to Toulon. And then he, they, yeah, exactly. He's going to be moved all around. Good point. Well, the Henry Thomas to Bath has been confirmed. confirmed that, yeah. I, I think that will turn out to be a really good um, signing. Uh, it's Agreed. interesting that a lot of the comments I've kind of picked up from Sale Sharks fans is that 
they don't rate Henry Thomas as highly Sour as... Sour grapes, maybe? As they did. Uh, possibly. Mm. They're, they're criticising his scrummaging quite a lot, which well, is quite he, interesting. He'll be on the bench for England this, yeah. this weekend. Yeah. And we've already seen that Dan Cork would struggle to play 80 minutes or did struggle in uh, really the other week. So, so every chance of making his debut. Against France, Good in France. So Thomas, that... Thomas Domingo, that's a pretty tasty one to make your first scrum against, isn't oh, it? Wow. Uh, and also uh, at Sale Sharks, it looks like Wasps are doing some good business. Again, nothing's been confirmed, but the word is Rob Miller is added to James Gaskell as players who are heading out of Sale Sharks to Wasps. I saw that after Rob his, Miller, Rob Miller. his... Oh, the... Sale, sale fullback. fullback. Yeah. yeah, after his good performance in the last 10, 15 minutes for the Saxons, there was some talk mm. on Twitter about that. And, you know, if he's receiving distribution from Andy Goode, anything's possible. <laughs> it, it's interesting that Sale Sharks keep signing players at a latter stage of their career, with the exception yeah. of someone like Danny Cipriani, who was kind of, he was being thrown a lifeline mm. by Sale Sharks when, when they signed him. And young players seem to be moving Leaving. on. Yeah, it's ominous, that, isn't it? It's not, it's not a good stadium. Uh, I think they need to rethink this. So you think that's why people are leaving? Well, when you've been to Bath, right? If, imagine being Henry Thomas, and you're going to the AJ Bell, and then Craig Bruce shows you around Bath, I don't. I, I don't even. I don't need to see anyone. I don't even know, need to know how much I'm getting paid. I'll pay you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a problem. It's a problem. And and you look at London Irish and the drain of players out. And you look at Sale Sharks and the drain of players out. And you sort of you look and go wonder how they're going to stem the tide. Really. Mm. Mm. Very good point. But until they get bigger fan base, bigger crowds, they can't. Well, the, they're just going to continue. Sale did go through, through a phase of being a very popular club. You know, when they're in the Heineken Cup with Luke McAllister, Shabal, yeah, exactly. Jason Robinson, Charlie, Charlie Hodgson, yeah, it was a good, a good team. Andrew uh, Sheridan, Bruno Sheridan, yeah, Christ, what an incredible team when you put all those names down. Uh, Foden, of course. Uh, there's, lo- there's loads of them. Uh, tell me, JB, because you might know, because this is this is one uh, other than Lee Halfpenny off to Toulon. Sam Warburton, it's been confirmed as we talked about previously. He's signed a central contract. Excuse me, a central contract. What exactly does that mean? I have no idea. From what I understand, he gets money from the WRU. Yeah, and they loan him out the, to... Well, it's proposed to be Cardiff, but that's not confirmed according to his agent. It could be one of the other clubs. Yeah, it's a strange, strange situation. How, what use is one player? Yeah, I did wonder this. <laughs> what, what on earth is everyone else thinking? <laughs> yeah. Everyone else who's in that Six Nations squad. And or, imagine being um, Tipperick. It's like, OK, so... Am I going to start a seven? Yeah, uh, I don't know. My direct competition <laughs> is yeah. being paid by the, the team that it's, I want to play for. It's like being a really talented number 10 at Bath and being behind um, George, George Ford. George Ford, whose oh, dad picks the team. Yeah, brilliant. Well, George Ford is in exactly that situation with England because Farrell's mm. dad <laughs> picks the team there. Oh, karma. Top of that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's stay on the subject of Sam Warburton and, well, actually, is his England open side flanker counterpart, Chris Robshaw, England captain, because um, they've both been, along with the other Six Nations captains, launching the Six Nations event. My thanks to Talking Rugby for the audio uh, that you're about to hear, but, you know, as is always the way that when captains talk pre-tournament, They dust off cliché after cliché after cliché. Who would come out on top in a battle of clichés? I've taken some little edited highlights from Sam Warburton and Chris Robsaw's chat about the upcoming Six Nations. First, the Welsh skipper. Um, Nobody will underestimate how tough it's going to be. Let me just go and look at just one game at a time. By no means is it going to be easy. Um, The players will be working extremely hard to try and win each game. Um, And it's really the team on the day who wins it, who, who plays best. The mentality going into the Italy game will be trying to get the win first. The win's got to be the most important thing. You know, everybody will have that sort of mutual respect for each other. Oh, wow, what a fine array of cliches. Could Chris Robshaw do any better than the eight amassed by Sam Warburton there? Every team wants to win. It'll be tough for us, but we need to make sure we hit the ground running. Like you said, there's a lot of youthful guys who, are, who want to put their hand up. It's as big as it gets, really, isn't it? Everyone wants to, everyone wants to beat England, don't they? You, you always have to raise your game. There's massive occasions. And if we're off our meta at all, pe- teams will exploit it. We need to continue to move forward, and, and I think all the players have. Chris Robshaw is, is the supreme master of the cliché. He won that round. Uh, back to you, Sam Warburton. You've got to pick up your game next time, and uh, we'll, we'll have some more cliché-filled chat from some of the skippers. 
Uh, hopefully the rugby will be a bit less predictable. Uh, my thanks once again to Talking Rugby for their, their kind use of some of that audio and I hope to use much more in the future as well. Right then, let's move on. I'll tell you what uh, I, want, I want to talk about. This is, this is a big weekend for egg-shaped balls. Mm-hmm. Because not only does the Six Nations begin, but it is Super Bowl. Indeed it is. What, what oh, Super Bowl can, can, number is this? Can we get some, some Super Bowl music? Hold on. NFL Films music is awesome. Yeah, good tune, that. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've actually got the NFL film, the NFL Films soundtrack. Cool. What? Well, NFL, right, one of the reasons it's so, it's so big is because in the 60s they set up a film, a film division. So NFL Films captures it all and they make America's Game and, and all that kind of thing. Even if you're not into American football, some of the documentaries exactly that you talk about are brilliant. Yeah, all created by, I think, Ed, Ed Sable. Is, Ed Sable is I just is. wish there was that kind of access in... Uh, in rugby, well, that's yeah. A, that's I mean, it's, it's like living with lions, but yeah. about every team every week. Well, that film, that film company is so successful that NFL Films do a lot of footage for every other sports film. So there you go. So NFL, I, I thought right because not not everyone will be um, American football nuts like we are, but I reckon a lot of people will probably take an interest in the Super Bowl, biggest game in sports. Can I give it a quick breakdown? Uh, well, I thought let's try and relate it to rugby, if we can. Oh, OK. How can we relate the Super Bowl and the teams that are up to rugby? So, Oh, OK, I we, we've I've got, got this. We've got the Seattle Seahawks okay. against the Denver Broncos. OK, let's go with Denver Broncos first. Then. Playing at Giant Stadium. So uh, Denver Broncos, who are led by Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning who is a, a veteran quarterback. Now, who, who would you liken him most ha- to? Harlequins, led by veteran fly-off Nick Evans... Johnny Wilkinson, I would say, maybe is a more would be more like Peyton Manning because you know Peyton Manning's won a Super Bowl already. Johnny Wilkinson has won the World Cup. He's in a star-studded attacking lineup, and he's the the man pulling the strings. But he's got young receivers. They're quite a flaky team. Very very attack-minded. It's the number one offense, but they have lost a few. So, so it's like Johnny Wilkinson at Quinns. Yes, Quinns led by Johnny Wilkinson. Quinns <laughs> with Johnny Wilkinson at ten. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. All right, cool. I like it. And Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks uh, quarterback Russell Wilson, a young fella, came out second round, uh, second round in the, in the draft. I think he's kind of like an, like an old head on on young shoulders. So who would that Owen be? Owen Farrell? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> what type of style has he got? Do you know what George Ford isn't a bad uh, isn't a bad comparison? Okay, a, a George Ford because he's fairly steady fly half. He's yeah. you know, still still in with a bit of flair. Yeah, mm. yeah, but still quite good. And George Ford can run, and so can Russell Wilson. Yeah. So, so it's Johnny good, Wilkinson good against George Ford. Yeah. However, George Ford surrounded by absolute monsters. So, <laughs> so like like at Bath. <laughs> yes, exactly, like, exactly like Bath. But it, the, but you mean like is it more like Toulouse type monsters? Yeah, these are real, real bad human beings. <laughs> um, they uh, they're the number one defense in American football. The, the number one attack against the number one defence this Sunday. So if you were going to pick it out of the Premiership, you'd probably say it's Harlequins against Saracens. Yeah, it's not a bad... It's not with, a bad with Johnny Wilkinson pulling the strings for Quinns and George jo- Ford moving over to uh, Saris. Yeah, because Owen Farrell wouldn't, wouldn't make it in the NFL. No, no two ways about it. If you were going to see one rugby player make it in the NFL, it could be any position, because they're not all absolute mutants... Mm. A lot of them are. <laughs> they <laughs> tend to be. But no, there's some of the guys that are on the defensive side of the ball uh, are really agile. They're, they're quite often tall, but they're quick. Yeah, they don't like tackling much. Um, Surely George, George North could. Uh, George find a North role. would be a quarterback. Do you reckon? Yeah, well, he looks just like Andrew Luck. He does look like Andrew him Luck. Him and Andrew Luck could be the same person. I've never seen him playing on the same field at the same time. Exactly. That's a fact. Could someone like Christian Wade, as small as he is, ever make it as like a wide receiver? Running back. There's smaller guys than Christian Wade at running back. Because that footwork's pretty electric. It yeah. is. Oh, he could be the next Darren Sproles or someone. Uh, uh, that's a very quick, quick running back. <laughs> I was going to say, they have to give that a bit of reference, people. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. It, drink it in. The egg-shaped ball rules this weekend. Super Bowl, uh, but of course the Six Nations. And uh, we'll be here on Friday to, uh, to really big that one up. What I want to do now in re- relation to the Six Nations is pick our dream team for the Six Nations, who we think is actually going to make it 
who's going to be the best in their position in the Six Nations. And we'll rattle through these uh, position by position, starting at loose head. Who do you see being the, the, the standout loose head in a couple of months' time at the end of the Six Nations? Uh, Domingo. Oh, here's the real here's the real problem with this. Just say if Scotland were to clean up, they'd all be they'd all be Scottish. Not necessarily, because you yeah. can have players who play really well. Very rare, though, that... isn't it? It's like usually half of one team and then a smattering of others. Quite often, yeah. So, I've picked a pretty evenly distributed team, or have you evenly distributed team? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I have as well. So, uh, my front row is, Ca- is Castro, Hibbard, Domingo. Mine's completely different. Mine's Healy. Hartley and Nicola Mass. I think Mass wow. is a tight, tight head for France will be oh, Healy's absolutely one. key. Big lad. And yeah, DJ Church is yeah. very important now that he's back fit as well because at one point it looked like he wasn't going to make the Six Nations. I think I'm going to do that thing where I go, I, I, I think France may win the tournament. I'm going to go Domingo. is going to have a big tournament. So... Does that mean Domingo pushes out Keane Healy? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Because we know things, Tim. You and I know things. Mm. Uh, Domingo uh, at one. Hooker. Oh, I'm really I'm finding this one hard. I'm, I'm tempted to go Hibbard as well. Hibs. And you were thinking Dylan Hartley. Hartley. Yeah. I think as long as he doesn't... I think he will start because he did in the Autumn Internationals. And as long as he keeps his cool like he did in the Autumn Internationals and he has demonstrated this season, then I think he could be the number one hooker. But we're going, just on democratic vote, we're going yep. Domingo and Hibbard and tighted prop. I put Castro down. Oh, Nicola Mass for me. He played really well against big New Zealand and huge South African pack. Mm. He's such an important scrimmager. He's such an important cog in that France team. More so than Adam Jones is for Wales. Ad- Adam Jones, when I've seen him this season, he's not been playing well. Admittedly, in a, a what's a it say about Adam team. Jones? He's very good at pushing. I mean, <laughs> and that and that is good, and it's cri- cri- and it's critical, and all the rest of it. Depends. It depends what sort of games you have. Like you can actually have games that there's only half a dozen scrums in the whole match. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, all right, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let Phil have one in the front row, and I'm gonna Thanks, go, Tim. I'm gonna go Nicola Mass as well. Very kind. Okay. So we've got two Frenchmen in the front row. Yeah. That, yeah, that, not bad. That ominous for England. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. Well, uh, in, for in, into the locks, then. How do you, how do you see the, the locks panning out? I've done something very boring here. Yeah. Alan Wynne Jones and O'Connell. I've gone for O'Connell. What? I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump in straight away and say O'Connell as well because he played so well uh, in that last Heineken Cup match for Munster. The, the last, the last couple. couple, yeah. He was mm. phenomenal. And I've gone for another national captain, Pascal Pape. Pascal Pape. Okay. Be- again, because, because Dusatois is missing, he's really going to have to step up as, as captain. Alan Wynne Jones is the best second row in the Northern Hemisphere. He's probably going to be captaining the side uh, against Italy as well. And, yeah. and we saw how much he steps up when he's captain in the Lions. Yeah, he was magnificent. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Alan Wynne. Alan Wynne and O'Connell. Do you know how old Alan Wynne Jones is? Uh, 26 to 28. 28. 28. I thought he was much older I than that. I thought he was like 32, no. yeah. Yeah, he looks much older than that. No, he's had a... He's had a tough paper. 74 caps. Wow. So, back row them. This is such a hotly contested Warburton. area. And it's a shame Sean O'Brien's not going to be uh, available. Oh, yeah. Agreed. War- Warburton, Lydiot's Pickamoles. I've gone for Warburton, mm-hmm. Lydiot, mm-hmm. and Parise. Oh, I had Parise across the map for Pickamoles. Just because I wanted to get an Italian in there. Yeah, I did that with Castro. And he's everything to Italy. He's the most important yeah, player. Yeah, Pickamoles is just... Just a mutant. If I if I got like engineers from BMW, <laughs> Mercedes, and McDonnell Douglas, the guys that make big you know jets and stuff like that, and said, "Design me a, a prototype rugby player," they would design Lewis Pickamoles. I think they design you Sergio Parise. Yeah, no. the man's no. What an incredible specimen. Yeah, Pickamoles designed for nothing else but rugby. <laughs> That's it. Look at his quads. Look at his quads. They're, they're so massive. They dwarf his tiny, tiny body. And it's not even tiny. Oh, it's a shame we can't pick Parise at six. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Parise. I love him. I love him. I, can't... I, I like him, but Pickles yeah. is just yes. awesome. So Parise at eight. Um, and you've both gone for Warburton, so it's kind of irrelevant who I go for. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it would have been. I would have said Sean O'Brien straight away. Yeah. And Deuce Atois not playing yeah. as well. We're going Lydia as well then. Lydia's awesome. 
Yeah, I think it'll be very important. I, I, wanted, I wanted to mention Tom Woods for all his unseen work and his lineouts as well. Yeah. Very important in the lineout. Warburton, uh, most of these back rows are important in the lineout. So yeah, we haven't picked a single Englishman in the pack. Um, scrum off, Murray. Ooh, Ooh. the uh, Mike Phillips lookalike. Yep, Mi- mini Mike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've gone for actual Mike, big Mike. Really? Yeah. Ooh. I'll go big Mike. Yeah. I, mm, I don't know. There's too, there's too many females in the crowd. He might be distracted. <laughs> the, the French have got a couple of really young scrum halves. Not, not many caps. Who will actually play scrum half um, with Remy, T- Remy Tarles Tarles. being injured? Dusan Machinot. Yeah. Jean-Marc Dusan has been playing fly half. He's, he's a scrum half by trade, but he has been playing fly half for Toulouse. Or will they put him at nine and have um, Tranduk, who's just come he... into the squad? Played against Saracens and he missed a few kicks actually. Dusan. Yeah. Hmm. I don't think he's quite ready for it. Big Mike. Yeah. Big Mike, step up, fly uh, fly half them. Uh, I've gone Remy Tails or Andy Good. <laughs> and it just depends. He's not officially retired and <laughs> with flood out the equation. Hey, you need a steady pair of hands. Johnny Sexton. Sex- Sexton is, will be very important. I now I I would like to see. George Ford get a lot of game time. I'd, I do. I'd like to see him start the Italy and potentially the Scotland games and at least half an hour in the other games. Well, you've watched him quite a lot with me and I think we can both agree that he just doesn't look ready. Disagree. The more I see of him, the better and better he looks. Mm-hmm. He, he really is seen to get, Mind get, you, that get was, better. The Leicester game at Welford Road was a big test. Yeah, yeah, and he he played very well in that. Mm. I think he's I, I think he's still some way off playing international, but okay. But um, I, th- I think he'll be on the bench, and I would love to see him start at least one game. This uh, Thales guy, or however you say his name, I yeah. love the way he plays. Yeah, you've got to watch him play. Rental. I think yeah, I think um, by the end of the Six Nations, we might have a new star because he takes the ball right to the game line, and as I say, lets the boys play. Doing the business at cast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the centre then, uh, are we all just going to go outside centre, Wesley Fofana? No. Well, Fofana played 12. It's interesting because we were sort of going, where are England's 13s and stuff? And Stuart Lancaster was asked about that by a journalist and said, well, it's uh, it's the wrong way to look at centres these days. They're, uh, it, it's, it's Interchangeable. It's in, it, not, not so much interchangeable, but it's not it's not a classic outside and a classic inside anymore. Well, it it's it's you, not about your ball player and your, your crash ball. Well, it depends if you play with a classic inside and a classic outside, I guess. I mean, yeah, I don't think the inside centre needs to be a crash ball. What I do worry about is that outside centre is potentially the most difficult position on the field to defend in. Mm. And if you're not picking someone who's playing there week on week, you're going to struggle. Well, I've got two centres... So in a way, I disagree with um, Stuart Lancaster, but I've actually done exactly what he said, which I've just picked the two centres I think will make the biggest impact for their respective teams. So Roberts, yeah, everyone knows why Roberts. Yeah, no, okay. Tw- I got Fofana at twelve and twelve trees. I think twelve trees it, it could be a very big tournament. I, for I am worried. I've just mm. got caught up in all the twelve trees hype. It, no, I don't. I don't buy it. Like every time I pick up a paper, it's a you know some sort of article about how great and important 12 trees is to the England what, team the cri- I suppose the way to look at it is what other top international team would Billy 12 trees get into the starting lineup for I don't uh, think he'd get in France's lineup I don't think he'd get in um, he wouldn't get in Wales he wouldn't I get in Wales's get, lineup I think he'd get in Ireland ahead of oh, uh, Darcy. Gordon Darcy yeah I think he would um, mm, possibly possibly he's, bit, he's, he's quite a big slice he wouldn't so get in any like, he wouldn't get anywhere near any of the southern hemisphere Sides. No, absolutely no. not. Not even close. So, so on that basis, I kind of got a, a good player, and I think he's one of those like great to have in a squad. The fact that you can have him on the bench in but a world imp- in a World Cup, and he'll slot in in how important of positions. Is, is he for England? And I think he's very important for England. In fact, I think he's, he's the key to England's backs firing. Yeah. If he doesn't perform, yeah. then England's backs won't do anything. He had a shocking game against Australia, but he actually played two other very good games in the against Orsons. Argentina and New Zealand. He yeah. played really well. He's the Will Greenwood of this team, is he? Apparently so. I think that's what they're mm. implying. I think it will be important to England, but I don't think he'll be one of the players of the tournament. Mm. Who who are your two, Tim? Uh, Fafana. Yeah. I, I, was kind of, I was kind of thinking him in a, in an outside channel, but you're telling me he's been playing inside. Okay. Yeah. He, he's... And, and and Jamie Roberts. Can I just say? All right. So two Roberts, two Fafana. So what? So we're just saying Fafana and Roberts then? Yeah. Let's let's do that. No, I'm happy with that. Fine. Um, get the best players on the pitch. Back Let three. the boys play. Back three then. Well, um, we're, so we're all, we're all going to say George George North. Yep. Right. Done. Left um, left wing. Yeah. Right wing then. I kind of struggled with this because England haven't got any outstanding quality. 
Cuthbert's injured. Liam Williams is nothing. Uge. Uge. Johan Uge. He's been playing very well for Toulouse. Who is, goes from the sublime to the ridiculous, but hopefully he's a bit more consistent than he has been in the past. I think he'll have a really good tournament. He's in my team. I'll go with Phil and Uge. I really like watching him for mm. Toulouse. I really yeah. like watching him for Toulouse. And then fullback is Pick one. the most hotly contested player. I think I think all six teams have got an outstanding fullback. Halfpenny, Brown, Brown, Brown for England, Carney, Hogg, Bryce Doolan, and Luke McLean. They're all outstanding players. Yeah, mm. go with Halfpenny. But if you've got a good kicker, you might want to go with someone else. You might want to add something which he doesn't have, which isn't much. I can't actually. In fact, he has everything. Gonna have to go Halfpenny. Just because of the impact he he will have on the odd game with his kicking, how tight Six Nations matches are. That's a very good point, given the conditions, the time of year. And he's, he's a dead eye under the roof as well, with no wind yeah. in the Millennium Stadium. And everyone deadly quiet. Yeah. <laughs> For the Welsh. For the Welsh. For the Welsh. <laughs> uh, Excellent. Halfpenny. Well, that's a good 15. We'll, we'll see how true that rings. And on that basis, it looks like we're basically saying Wales, France and Wales, uh, yeah, with most, Ireland. Yeah. As well, if if that was any indication, obviously. Uh, Did we get a single Englishman? Oh no, we didn't. We didn't. Wow. You think right? We have had uh, lots of people getting in touch and uh, making comment and uh, chatting on Twitter. We're at Rugby Podcast is where you can find us there. And if you have a question you want to pose or an issue you want to raise or something you think you'd like to hear discussed or like to hear us find out some opinions on, then uh, all is. We'd love to hear from you. So just get in touch at Rugby Podcast. And thank you for those people who already have. And uh, and Phil, one such point that's been made? Yes, uh, Richard Holmes, Holmesy, on Twitter, asks, after a match, do we check football scores or rugby scores first? And he says that he used to play football and he now plays rugby, but he still checks the football scores first. But he qualifies that by saying... He plays at quite a low level, so he then won. He then asks, "Is there a changeover between checking the football scores first and checking the rugby scores?" Like, how first? high a level of rugby do you have to get to before you start looking for rugby scores? Before, before you actually care scores? about rugby, yeah. I, my experience, right, is that most rugby players don't actually like rugby that rugby that much. Certainly, no one in Broughton Park or very few people actually watch any any rugby. And same with Colwyn Bay; they're all football fans. Because yeah, because we're from a, a football town, from Manchester. Yeah, from Manchester, it's a little bit different. I I lived for seven years in Bath, ah. and you wouldn't know that football existed. Good. <laughs> I must be nice. Yeah, and look maybe, how nice Bath is. Actually, maybe we should move to Bath. Yeah, let's move to Bath. Let's move there. It's lovely. Um, um, for, for, go on, Phil. You I, played at a good level. Similar to Jay. Um, no, no one cares, do they? Unless people have got bets on the rugby. The, the exception would be the Six Nations, I think. Yeah. Or World Cup when that was on in, uh, in, in the autumn. Do you support uh, a team, Phil? No. I don't support a team either. I don't either. Fanatical football fans, there's usually a correlation between how fanatical they are and how terrible the place is that they live. What? If you what? play rugby, you can't say I that. Absolutely can. No, you cannot. Do you if, actually think that? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. You don't hear people going, "Sorry, sir." It doesn't happen. Bath, bath, bath. It doesn't happen, right? Or you could put that another way and say football is built on working class communities. Who? Um, I used to go and watch Bath when I lived in Newbury. Um, I used to travel down to, to Bath to watch the odd game. And then I lived in Bath, but I still don't support them and I don't have a team. I support storylines and kind of players more. So there's a player I really like, say, I'll give you an example, Gavin Henson moved to Bath. Then all of a sudden I'm going to be very interested in Bath. Even though he's not playing. Yeah, I really like watching Exeter. Because I like kind of the storyline behind them and how passionate the fans are. Yeah, and the way that they've been built from the ground up was by Baxter. Yeah. It's interesting because I've got an American football team. I'm a, I'm a New York Jets fan, and I have bought New York Jets jerseys and merchandise, and I, yes, wa- I, I watch out. The- I watch out for their fixtures. But I've got the Detroit Lions. With, with rugby, I don't have a, a team or an affiliation. Uh, but no, Holmesy, I, I don't know if that at, at all gets any, gets you anywhere. But it, it appears to be we're a bit like you, where kind of. Don't, in don't, in, in Broughton Park, it's City, United, City, yeah. City. Fo- football. Yeah, that's all they do. So. Every level I've played up football, it seems to take precedent. 
But I know that a lot of people listen will have very much a, a team that they're they're affiliated with and, and a strong allegiance. Uh, there we go uh, at Rugby Podcast. If you want to pose anything to us or um, and that that code one more time, Phil, to get your ESPN Scrum Fantasy Rugby team for the Six Nations, and you can go enter into our private league and try and take us on, Phil. It is five three zero three zero. There's the code. Get you to get your team signed up and uh, get involved. And we will see you there. And we'll also talk up the Six Nations a little bit more on Friday's podcast. And until then, how are we going to sing ourselves out? We've got so many amazing rugby oaky tunes. That oh, we've someone, featured to... someone tweeted us saying, uh, please never play Here We Go ever again. Yes. Here we go. Which I means it... we should play Here We That's Go. That's the Saracen song. I right? had it in my head um, the whole of last um, week. Here we go. <sighs> so annoying. Well, do you know what? I am going to have us sung out by. Matt Stevens, we've not had him in a while. Go on, Matt, sing it, preach it, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.